Um, good morning. Welcome to Risen Church. My name is John Allen, and happy Mother's Day. Um, I am excited to partner with Compassion International and you as well, uh, and, and I think this is probably the best way to celebrate the heartbeat of a mother as we celebrate Mother's Day, and that's by tracing that heartbeat to its source, which is the Lord. Because it's not just a rescue from uh, the physical poverty, but it's also an opportunity to introduce them to Jesus and to, to release them and rescue them from their own spiritual poverty as well. And so that's, that's honestly, that's really what sets compassion apart in my mind. Um, as you saw, uh, they work through the local church, even on the ground in these areas. And so, um, again, you, you may have noticed uh, that there are some faces scattered around on the different chairs nearby where you're sitting. And these faces represent real people. They're not just a, a poster child or a, uh, an advertisement. Those are real children who have real need. And so even throughout the rest of our time this morning, whether you sense that God is calling you to sponsor that child or not, we're going to give you information on how to do that this morning. Um, but whether or not you feel the call to sponsor or your, uh, that, that's what God has laid on your heart, I do encourage you to at least throughout even the service, to pray for that child, even by name, um, even to, to just call upon the Lord and to tap into his heart even for that child. And then to tap, this is a powerful aspect of actually how we pray also, by the way, is that when you tap into God's heart for that child and then you pray his heart back to him, that's what it looks like to partner and I would even say intercede on behalf of others. This is honestly a lot of um, what it means to intercede for one another. And, and this is how we partner together and point one another and pray for one another is by tapping into his heart for the other person and then praying what he, praying his heart for that person back to him. And so this morning, um, I want to encourage you to do that for these children. To just let God impart his heart because we, uh, uh, to you for that child, pray it back to him. Um, and we believe that prayer matters. But we're also going to provide the opportunity to uh, physically and spiritually partner together with Compassion International and other local churches to uh, release and rescue uh, these children from poverty in Jesus' name. And so um, we're going to give you all the information that you need to do that. Um, in fact, we've actually been blessed with uh, Owen, um, who is from Compassion International. He is an alum, and we're going to hear from him um, this morning. But before we do, I want to share a little bit about why this program is uh, special to me uh, and why it's close to my heart, why this organization and, and, and what it does is close to my heart. Um, about 20 years ago, I had an extremely impactful uh, opportunity, uh, experience, to go to Indonesia. Uh, you guys, have, if you've been around long enough, you know that that, was a, that, that has formed and shaped a lot of why behind the what, as far as us partnering not just together with each other and our city, but also beyond. I got a, a real taste for the first time for global lostness. People that uh, are barely even have any access to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and I went on a missions trip to Indonesia and spent a few months there. And I'd never even been out of the country. I was 20 years old. But God took me on an adventure, and it, it changed my life. I spent a few months in this area that was plagued with poverty, 
And again, little to no access to Jesus Christ, but one experience impacted me above any of the other experiences I had. Um, there was a, a street, and I remember the name of the street really well. It was called Dago Street in Bandung, Indonesia. And on that street, there were a number of beggars, and there were a lot of beggars, and, and, and poverty was, was kind of rampant in the area. But in this particular area, it was pretty heavy because it was a marketplace there. And on this road, there was a child. And I will never forget this child. Two years old. Couldn't have been more than two years old. Wrapped around a coffee can. One of those big, like almost like a Folgers coffee can. And he was wrapped, laying fetal position with this cup, like this, this, this coffee can um, for people to put money in it. And he was on the pavement and the, the, there were motorbikes and cars rushing past his head on that heated, that hot Indonesian pavement. And they were probably, I mean, I'm telling, I will never forget the two, the, the tires, tires of these, the, the traffic, just a foot to two feet away from his head, the two-year-old just rushing past and I, you know, I'm, I'm seeing this kid and I'm, I'm, of course, I'm going like, I'm going to give him all the money I've got at this point, right? I'm just about to be the richest kid in Indonesia. Um, and as I go, the, there was a, a friend that was with me who was from Indonesia and he, he kind of understood the situation and um, he, he stops me and he tells me that if you give him any money, really, it's all just going to be taken from him. And he explained the situation in Indonesia, where what happens is um, oftentimes, especially orphaned children, they don't have social services in that area, and so oftentimes orphaned children will be used by people in the area and even passed around to get money from people. And so they take the money that is generated from people's hearts being drawn to that child, and then they give the child just enough rice to kind of like survive. And then, um, and in some ways, I mean, the worse off the kid looks, the more money it generates. And so they said it's better to just give him food and water or drinks. So I, you know, I went to McDonald's because there's a McDonald's everywhere. I don't know if you know that or not. Um, I went to McDonald's and I got him some food. And I'll never forget the way that little kid sat, sit, sat up and smiled at me. And, and I remember there was... And, and I know that this tugs on heartstrings, but just get used to it this morning. That's what's going to happen, okay? Because this is real. And we can't just ignore that this stuff, that this is the reality in our world. God definitely does not. And so when I enter into this with him, I, I just have this image in my mind that was, it was just burned into my, my memory of tears. The only place, the only clean place on that kid's face was where tears had washed the dirt away. He was completely soaked in, in dirt and mud and caked in it, and he was just tattered clothes. And um, I, I would give him food, and I would talk with him and kind of play with him. And then I'd go the next day, and he was there, and I'd play with him and bring him food and um, just kind of sit there with him. And then one day as I approached, I looked, and I saw a man in the distance behind him. And the kid sees me, and he kind of looks up and kind of smiles a little bit. And uh, the man in the distance is kind of doing this, like, like that in Indonesian, obviously. But... Um, and I saw him, and so 20-year-old me, I'm like, hey, you know, I, <laughs> I'm like, who, who are, you know, and I start past the kid and chase after that man. He starts running, starts running that way. So I started running also. So I find myself chasing this man through a market in Bandung, Indonesia, 
And he cuts back into these corners, and I find myself running after this guy through the market. And then I, it hit me. I don't know where I am. And I don't know what I'm going to do if I catch this guy. <laughs> and I, just so I, I'm realizing how unwise it was. And so I returned to the street, and uh, the, the child was not there. And I never saw him again. And it, and it, it messed me up. It messed me up bad. And, and it was... I found myself in a situation where it, it, it seemed hopeless. What do you do? What do you do with this? And the truth is, the only real hope for children like that little boy is organizations like Compassion. Compassion International that moves into these places and doesn't just rescue them again from their physical poverty, but also the spiritual poverty that surrounds them and brings them Jesus through local churches. It brings them the only true hope, which is Jesus Christ. In Matthew 18, verse 5, Jesus goes so far, we read it earlier, Jesus goes so far as to say that when we receive children in his name, we are receiving him. I mean, that is a real identification. Like, that's how close these children are to the heart of God. Like, God's heart breaks for these children in need even more than yours does and even more than mine does. And he has provided an opportunity for embrace and for rescue. And one of those ways is through compassion and the local church. And so in Matthew 19, children are being brought to Jesus and they... they they're doing. They're, they're bringing these children to Jesus so he can bless them, right? And we see the disciples, they kind of dismiss them and they kind of even shoo them away, you know? And Jesus responds in Matthew 19, verse 14. It says, but Jesus said, let the children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. This is an opportunity to help bring children to Jesus, that he can bless them. And, and, and these, again, the faces, the packets, that doesn't just represent that one child. It's generations through that child. We're going to hear more about that in a moment here. This is what our partnership with Compassion provides for these faces. It's an avenue for holistic and unhindered discipleship. And it's an honor to partner this morning with Compassion International. So with that, I want to welcome up Owen Githonga. Give him a hand. And Owen is going to share a bit more of his story and Compassion International. Take it away. Thank you. Thank you. Praise the Lord, church. Praise the Lord. God is good. All the time. All the time, God is good. Uh, let's start us off with a word of prayer. Uh, Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you, God, again this, this morning for uh, this service, Lord. And uh, thank you for who you are, God. Thank you for what you've been, who you've been in our lives, God. Thank you because uh, you're the same yesterday, today, and forever, God. You, you... You love us. You love us, Lord, so relentlessly, oh God. Thank you for your love uh, on our lives, God. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercies that I knew every morning, God. And as I stand before your people, God, I pray that you may, uh, Lord, anoint me with uh, with your word, oh God. Speak through me, 
to your people, God, in a, in a way that they will understand best. Oh, God, and I thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you, Jehovah God, because uh, because of who you are, God. And I pray, Lord, uh, you know, as, as, as each and every one who's coming in today, oh God, I pray that they do not go back empty-handed, oh, God, that you may meet them at their point of need, whether it's that breakthrough, whether it's healing, whatever that they need in their lives, Jehovah God, I pray that uh, this is the day. This is the day that you have made uh, so that we may rejoice and be glad. We'll be glad in today, oh God. We pray, we pray for who you are, God. We bless you. We worship you, God. And we pray all this believing and trusting in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. 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 Uh, you know, when I think about sharing my story, and um, my story represents God's faithfulness. If, if there's something that stands, stands true. Uh, in my story is God's faithfulness. You know, I I share this that you know, without Jesus, I do not have a story. Without Jesus, I I, I am nothing. God has, you know, I, I look at my life and I see, I see God's footprints, in you know, in my life and, uh, and Him Him carrying me, you know, when uh, when I wasn't able to. And so that that is that is it is. Is God's faithfulness and, and the way that com uh, God used compassion to not only change my life, but uh, you know, to uh, to be an impact to so many people. You know, to be an impact to so many people. My story began in a small village in Nairobi, Kenya, and um, I was born in a family of three boys and my mom, who was a sole breadwinner. I was the baby in the family, and uh, my births. Uh, Kind of became like uh, bad news because uh, my mom used to have uh, sort of a regular job. No, uh, she didn't go to school, so she didn't qualify for any formal employment. But I think she used to work until I got uh, born, and she lost that job. And so my birth kind of signified bad news, and you know what ended up to be. Some of the toughest years of our lives. You know, as a little boy, I had a dream. My dream was a little bit different because I never wanted to become a doctor or a lawyer or a pilot uh, or a policeman or a superhero. But for some amazing reason, I always wanted to become drumroll. An accountant. I know it's this works every time. Uh, not so many kids grow up wanting to become an accountant. I was one of those kids, and uh, but then I found out really quickly that that would never happen. It would never happen because of my last name. It would never happen because of where I was born, and I quick I quickly realized that the biggest need for me, the biggest fight that I had to fight before I could even get to a point I would think about my dreams, the biggest fight that I had to do was the fight to stay alive. Because I came to realize that every day I wasn't guaranteed with a budget of about 5 to $10 a month, which meant that we lived in, you know, way below the poverty line. It meant life was a, life was, life was a struggle. I grew up in what you would call abject poverty. 
woke up in the morning and I had no idea when the next plate of food would come from. You know, and sometimes it went for days without having food to eat. And if you've ever gone for more than a day without food, you become desperate. And you would do absolutely anything just to get food in your stomach. And for me, that's what pushed me to going and knocking on people's doors, begging for food. Because if I did not do that as a little boy, that meant that I would starve. And it wasn't a very good experience because, you know, I had to keep doing this very often because my mom would not afford to be able to put a meal a day for us. And so I had knocked on these people's doors and they were really tired of seeing my face because I was that really that constant kid that kept knocking on your door until you gave me food. And so a lot of times when they opened the door and saw my face, they didn't even say a word. They just closed the door on my face. And, you know, I guess that answered my question on whether they were going to give me any food today. A lot of times when they let me in, they made the point to humiliate me and my mom because they knew I needed the food and I would not just walk away because they were mean to me. I just, just had to sit there and take it because I needed the food to survive. I could not walk away. And I mean, that was hard. I, as a little boy, I, you know, I wish I would have been playing with toys and doing all the little things little kids do, but I had to fight to stay alive. You know, tomorrow wasn't guaranteed. When you grow up in poverty, one of the things you realize is you do not think about tomorrow because you do not know whether you're going to live to the end of the day. And so it was hard. You know, water was a huge problem for us. We never had taps or faucets that we would get clean water out of. And really the source of water that we had was in this river that passed by where we lived. And this river was sourced in a slaughterhouse. You can imagine all the waste going into the river. So by the time it flowed by where we lived, the color of the water was brownish or greenish in color. We used to have a saying uh, growing up, that now I know is probably not a very good saying. We used to say, if it's a brown, it's good enough to drink. And that's what we had to deal with. You know, brown water doesn't taste good. It doesn't matter how many times you boil it. It just doesn't taste good. But that's what we had to work with. And uh, so as a result of drinking dirty water, and, you know, sometimes when they would not open the door for me, we would go, you know, dig through trash, get something to eat. So as a little boy, I grew up very sickly. You know, dirty water, dirty food. And the unfortunate thing was uh, I would not be able to go to a hospital because my mom would not afford to take me to a hospital. And if I showed up in a hospital, regardless of the condition that I was in, and I did not have money or insurance, they would not take me in. And so my mom would tell us, you know, be tough and hope that what you have doesn't, is not too bad to take you out. So every time we got sick, my mom would tell us, go to bed, and hopefully when you wake up in the morning, you're going to be fine. And I was hard. I was hard, especially when you were sick a lot. You know, my mom told me this story that has lived with me for so long. 
the year that I was born, there was a huge measles outbreak. They ended up taking the lives of so many babies. And my mom told me that I had I was one of those kids that had measles. And I can't imagine this story still is like, I tell this story, but it's it's hard for me to wrap my head around this story as a parent because she told me that it was at night and she was holding me. She could not take me to a hospital because they would not take me in. One year old little boy dying of measles. And my mom told me it got to a point I got so weak and so pale that she did not think I would make it through the end of the night. But by the grace of God, I did. I mean, I grew up in a community where infant mortality was really high. If a pregnant mom went into a hospital, there was a huge possibility that either them or the baby would not make it out alive. And I mean, poverty is bad. I would never wish poverty on anybody. But for me, the absolute worst thing about poverty wasn't just the lack of food. Because, you know, food, you can miss food today and stay for a day without food, get food the next day. The absolute worst thing about poverty is the hopelessness that comes from poverty. You know, it's not just lacking food. It's just knowing you're going to lack food for the rest of your life. It's like it's, it's being stuck in this darkness that there is no light at the end of the tunnel. The hopelessness in poverty is what kills you because it's going to be this bad for the rest of your life. And also the people, the words that people tell you are, Sometimes very heartbreaking. You know, I grew up with people who would look me straight in the eyes and tell me that, that I am worth less. And my life would never amount to anything. You know, people were so quick to point at this generational cycle of poverty that had been passed on from one generation to the next, like a baton. That my grandparents were poor, my mom was poor, my brothers were poor. I'm poor. They told me your kids will be poor. The cycle continues and nobody will be able to break out of this. One of the most heartbreaking things was when people asked me this question that we love to ask kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I knew what I wanted to be. But it's when I told them that I wanted to be an accountant with a smile in my face. It's the things they told me back because they told me, don't waste your time dreaming. This doesn't happen for you. Nothing good comes out of your family. Don't waste your time dreaming because none of your dreams will ever come true. It's heartbreaking. But you hear this so many times that the easiest thing to do is give up. Fighting is hard in poverty. So I started to believe them when they started to, when they kept saying this. And I thought this is how my life would end up is I was born poor, I was going to live poor, and I was going to die poor. And nobody would ever get to hear my story. I would be lumped up in the statistics, millions of kids born in poverty and die in poverty. 
but I would not have a face or a name. I was appear, disappear, end of story. But God. But God had a different story for my life. Because the story they wrote about me wasn't the story that my God had written about me. My life changed at the age of eight years old when my mom had about this church, redeemed gospel church. And I did not know that then, and I actually did not know until years later on that this was actually compassion. Because when you go to, you know, compassion only works through the local church. But they do not put banners on these churches. You do not know compassion is in these churches. All you see is you see the name of the church. So my mom told me to go get ready, and we went through the doors of this church. The only names I saw was Redeemed Gospel Church. So we went through the doors of this church, and me and my mom had no idea that our lives were about to change forever. We went into this church, and Compassion has to make sure that these kids who want to be sponsored really do need the help. And, uh, you know, they do uh, background checks and home visits to make sure that these kids really do need the help. And in my case, it didn't take very much convincing that we needed the help. And so I got registered. One of the first things they did was take a picture and print a packet, just like Katutayo in Uganda. Funny story is uh, that was one of the first professional pictures I had ever taken before. This was before digital cameras. And so they used to use camera flashes that they used to, to attach to the cameras. And one of our friends played a trick on us that the camera flash is really painful. And uh, we believed him because we had never taken professional pictures before. So my first picture... <laughs> I was probably terrified because I kept waiting for this pain that never seemed to arrive. But they printed out a packet, just like Katutayo, and sent it to a church in Wisconsin. And on a Sunday morning, a guy, you know, Compassion Sunday morning, a guy saw my picture on a packet and said, I'm going to sponsor this kid. And that's how I got my first sponsor. He started writing me letters and started one of the best, you know, times of my life. Getting letters from my sponsor, it was, it was beautiful. Me and my sponsor had an awesome relationship. You know, one of the first times I had ever heard the words, I love you, was in a letter from my compassion sponsor. I mean, it, it took me a while to start buying into that because love wasn't the thing that was coming my way growing up as a kid. I grew up with people humiliating me and shutting the door in my face. And this guy doesn't even know me, lived thousands of miles away from me and seems to think I'm lovable. And then he went on to talk about Jesus. And if you miss anything from what I say today, is that at the heart of what compassion does is Jesus. I had no idea who Christ was until I joined the church. But it's in the way the teachers at the Compassion Center loved on us that exemplified the love of Christ. It's, it's the word that I used to hear. You know, I started to hear all this good news about this God who had a hope and a future for my life. 
I started going to this church and, and we would sing all these happy songs with all these kids whom we were going through the same things in life together. But it was just the hope in Christ, but also the love that these people exemplified that made me want to try their Jesus. So I remember going to the church and I said, I've come to accept you, Jesus, because I want to see for myself if what you say about this Jesus is really true. And so <clears throat> I made a choice to accept Christ as my Lord and Savior. And that was the best decision I ever made as a kid was to accept Christ. That was the best gift that compassion ever gave to me, the gift of Jesus Christ. Because here is my story. Poverty left my life the day Christ came into my life. If compassion had just given me Jesus and told me to go my way, I would have been just fine. Because when I got the hope that is in Jesus Christ, I got a hope that was way stronger than the poverty that I faced. Here's, here's the biggest misconception people have about poverty. They put a lot of emphasis on money. Doesn't matter how much money you pour into poverty. Money can never get rid of poverty. Money can change the outside and feed somebody. But poverty is way more spiritual and mental than it is physical. And while money is good, money can never get rid of poverty. But Jesus can. Because Jesus works from the inside out. When I was set free from my mental and spiritual poverty, I was way well out of poverty. How was the difference? And compassion didn't stop there. They gave me food and clean water. Clean water. That was a miracle took me to hospital every time I got sick, you know, and took me to school. I was the first person in my whole family to graduate high school. And I went on to college and I did my bachelor's degree in, guess what, accounting. And got a scholarship to go to North Dakota State and I did my master's degree in accounting, except for my CPA license, my CPA in America. I'm an accountant. The one thing they told me not to waste my time dreaming is my reality today. And today I represent what compassion does. Compassion mission statement is releasing children from poverty in Jesus' name. That is my story. See, backstory that they don't talk a lot about the compassion's mission statement, but a lot of people have approached compassion about taking out the in Jesus' name. Because they've told them, if you take out the in Jesus' name, you will get more funding. But when they told that to uh, the then compassion president, West Stafford, West Stafford doubled down to make sure that they will never take out the Jesus' name out of Compassion's mission statement by appointing extra board members to make sure that that never happens. See, I love my relationship with my sponsor. It's one of the things that you do when you get to sponsor a child. You get to write them letters, love on them. And my sponsor had an impact in my life. He, he, he left a mark in my life and 
You know, 11 and a half years ago when I got married to my wife, that was beautiful. And this guy, if you have, if you bring up the picture, found out years on that one of the reasons he sponsored me was because we shared the same name. So his name is Owen. He sponsored me because my name was Owen. And so on our biggest name, Owen, my compassion sponsor, was the best man in our wedding. And uh, his son, Simon, is oaring there. That's the story of compassion. 20-some years ago, I was just a little boy that I smelt and looked like poverty. Maybe that's why it was easier for people to look at me and tell me that I am worth less. Because I didn't look like I was worth anything back then. 20-some years later, this guy picked up a picture of a packet, a kid, picture of a kid in a packet. Believed I was for real. And today I get to share my story about, you know, through compassion. One of the first things I wanted to do is, uh, next picture there, is, is I wanted to sponsor kids as soon as I, you know, I, I got released from poverty. And so that's one of our kids. So me and my wife, we sponsored kids and we've graduated kids, you know, with time. And what we do is we make sure that we sponsor a kid for every uh, one, of our ch uh, one of our children. So what we do is we partner with them. And for me as a parent, it's been one of those beautiful uh, tools that Compassion has given me to introduce Jesus to my kids, to evangelize to my kids, to let my kids know that, you know, that God blesses us, you know, sometimes so that, you know, so that we can be a blessing to other people, to let them know that, hey, you know, your birthdays are not just about more toys and more things. And so it, it's, it's, been, it's been amazing. Because, you know, we get to write letters together, but also pray for our kids. But it's a beautiful tool to be able to talk Jesus to your kids. It's been a beautiful tool for me. Next picture there is, uh, so this is Joseph. And uh, Joseph, I've been, uh, you can visit your kids. I've visited Joseph. Uh, we've visited also, like, uh, two of our other kids. Uh, Joseph, me and Joseph speak, like, three similar languages. So it was it was it was it was beautiful getting to meet him and speak to him in his local language. Uh this kid here, <laughs> I thought Owen sponsored Owen. Why doesn't Owen sponsor Owen? And so I might not be the best man in his wedding, but I'm here to see what God will do in his life. Uh, cool thing, we didn't even choose, we just looked for Owen and he looks like my first one uh boy. You'll, you'll see it. You'll see it. But that's Owen from Nicaragua, one of the kids that we sponsor. Next picture there is the picture of Junior. Junior goes to redeem Gospel Church. And we haven't been able to go visit Junior, but I can't wait to, you know, take my boys and girl to Kenya and we go visit Junior. I can tell Junior, I used to sit in the same chairs that you're sitting on. And God did it for me. God did it for me. So, yeah, next picture is a picture of my family without one key member who is four months old. So we have three boys, and God bless us with a girl, finally. And so, yeah, so, so you can see Jerome. Jerome kind of looks like our Owen from Nicaragua. So that's Jerome. 
and then Warren and Ace uh, and Olivia is our baby girl and my wife, my beautiful wife, Crystal. That's, it's, I love compassion, you know. Uh, it's a ministry. It's not just sponsoring kids through compassion. It's not just money to these kids. It's about taking the word of God. It's about the great commission, taking Jesus to Judea, to Samaria, and to the end of the world. When I tell you compassion is passionate about Jesus, that is true. They do not just teach the kids the word, but they also give them opportunities to take the word to the people. Compassion does missions with these kids to help them, hey, you know, not just learning the word, but also taking the word to the communities. And so as a, as a sponsored child, I got opportunities to do missions within the country and, and lead so many people to Jesus. And so the beautiful thing about compassion is when you sponsor one child, you, get, you, give, you, get the, you give the opportunity for that one child to take Jesus to the ends of the world. You know, they did a survey and said for every one child that gets sponsored, about seven people get impacted. I can tell you from my story, it's way more than that. Because I got to know Jesus. My whole family got to know Jesus. I can never share, Je I can never share my story without talking about Jesus. I wrote my sponsor, I, I wrote Owen a letter and said, ask him the question, would you have imagined that you taking a picture you taking my packet would have led to the ripple effect that is happening. And I mean, he, yeah, he had no idea that sponsoring me would not, you know, break the generational curse of poverty for my family because poverty stops with me. Because I got sponsored, I've been able to go back and take my whole family from poverty. But also because I got poverty, poverty ends here in my family. My kids will never know poverty. It's breaking cycles of poverty. They say every single day, about 400 kids all over the world in a compassion center. Every single day, about 400 kids make a decision to follow Christ. I don't know if you can picture this with me. We come to church on a Sunday morning. 400 people lift up their hands and say yes to Jesus. Can you imagine that? How beautiful that is. And so it's the impact that's being made for the kingdom. Uh, to wrap it up, you know, God kind of brought my whole story full circle and I started working for Compassion two years ago as, guess what, an accountant. And, and so I have the hat I can share as a sponsored child. And I can tell you their programs work. If accounting didn't work out for me, Compassion had given me enough skills to start my own bakery shop or start making shoes. Compassion teaches these kids not just giving them fish. Every child gets an opportunity to learn two or three uh, income generating activities that they can use to get out of poverty. I can tell you as a sponsor, it's the best, you know, it's the best money that we ever spent every month, every child that we sponsor, but also as a parent too, the tool that it gives us. 
But I can tell you this. See, it's one of those things I was crossing my fingers because you get these ministries that they look so good on the outside, but it's different on the inside. And you can quote me as a CPA. This is a CPA speaking. I am the manager of accounting for Compassion. I manage their U.S. operations and their global operations. And one of the reasons I love Compassion even more is because of their financial integrity. They do what they say they do. They're not cooking the books. But you know what? It's, uh, it's, it's, it's crazy for me to think about the way compassion works. Is They try to keep their program ratio to every dollar that you give, 80 cents goes to the child. That is crazy when you think about statistics for nonprofits. For 80 cents out of your dollar that you give to actually go to the child. Is why, that's why Compassion is ranked uh, as one of the best nonprofits because of what they do. But you know, the most amazing thing about Compassion isn't just the program ratios and statistics and all those things. It's the impact they are making for the kingdom. And I, I look forward to one day when we get to heaven. And, and the choices, right now, Compassion sponsors over 2.2 million kids. I am just one story. Now, multiply that by 2.2 million kids. Do you see the impact that has for the kingdom? This is a story of compassion. Is it's, it's not just the money that you send in every month, but it's taking Jesus to Judea, to Samaria, and to the ends of the world. God bless you guys.